Hey everyone, guess what? This is the 50th episode of the Hearsay Podcast and what better way to celebrate than to have my good friend Jeremy Neal on. Uh, Just a little bit of a heads up, we recorded this pre-COVID-19 and as much as I think it's really important for all of us to discuss how the virus is affecting our creative community and also our incomes, I'm going to leave it to the experts and just focus more on a little bit of distraction podcasting. Um, But I do want you to know I'm thinking of all my friends and loved ones who are struggling through this time and I'm doing my very best to help by buying records, you know, contributing to Patreons where I can. Um, every little bit helps so I'm really trying to do my best to make sure everyone feels supported in the meantime I'll try and keep putting out some podcasts I recorded before all this came about and hopefully we can all enjoy that Um, so this episode episode 50 is with Jeremy Neal Uh, Jeremy, you might know from his band's Velociraptor and also Teen Sensations. He's just released a solo album called We Were Trying to Make It Out and it's really, really great. I actually just received my vinyl copy in the mail today. Um, So if you want to support some amazing Brisbane music, get the album. As I said, it's a really tough time releasing music at the moment and every record sale will help keep independent artists afloat right now. Also, it's a bloody great album, so you won't regret it. Quick heads up, there is some swearing in this episode. I think it was all me. I'm very sorry. Um, Just in case there's little people listening, maybe don't listen with them. Also, side note, uh, Jeremy talks a little bit about his friends Shane and Simon, who, for context, are in the incredible band DC Death Rays and are, of course, a big part of our supportive Brisbane music community. And Shane has also been on this podcast, which I think was episode number 25. Jeremy's Strain show illustration was done by Jesse Hawkins. You can see more of Jesse's amazing drawings on the Instagram, Jesse Kevin Hawkins. Go check it out. It's the best. As always, you can see all illustrations on the Hearsay podcast Instagram or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Give me a rating and review on iTunes if you want to. Go on, you want to. Uh, here we go. Hearsay episode number 50, Jeremy Neal. Um, so I like to have a single slap on my vocal um, and like right amount of like reverb that makes it sound a little bit magical, a little bit 80s. So. Well, yeah, I'll do that in post. Thank you. Look, I've got a piece of paper with your name written at the top. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was spelled correctly. Sometimes it's not spelled correctly. I'm just okay. I'm no diva. Um, well, yeah, I think I've spelled it correctly. Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, just the other night someone misspelled my name and all that. that's cool. Really? How do they spell it? Um, N-E-A-L Yes, N-E-A-L is one And then the other one Sometimes there's sometimes there's an E between the M and the Y in Jeremy Yeah. Oh, yeah Like I've seen that Yep Had a lot in the biz um, My first band, Sekidon, got misspelled a lot What was the most common misspelling? Um, people wrote Sekidon <laughs> Or cool, Sakiden Oh, damn That's <laughs> insulting <laughs> Unless they meant well I don't know what their intentions were at the Look, time I don't, yeah I don't think anyone did it on purpose, but who knows? And also, Saya gets misspelled a lot mm. and mispronounced. Because people are like, 
it's more of like a, an instruction than a name. People are like, it's say yeah. Is that what oh, you're getting? Oh, say ah. Oh, say ah. Say ah. So it's like more like, like a dentist, dentist request. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a fun time. Hey, thanks so much for coming to my house. Hey, thank you for having me at your house. It's so nice to have you in the studio. It's um so nice to have that Timothy mug. So, oh thank my you. gosh. I've given you my Timothy Chalamet mug. The Timothy Chalamet mug. <laughs> It only comes out for special occasions. <laughs> well, I'm, I feel very honoured. You were saying your wife is a big fan? Huge fan. Yeah. Um, I think every all, woman in, a, in the world, I was going to say Australia, but I've changed my mind to the world. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> he's the it boy. He's the it boy. And I like that he's the it boy because like, he's like inoffensive and really like sweet, which yeah. is lovely. Like, yeah. It's tougher when the it boy is... It's a cunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the pits. Seem- <laughs> yeah, so what a nice <laughs> time for like us to be nice- living. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I want to start this interview with saying that I'm a massive fan and I love the new record. Oh, thank you. Um, it feels funny interviewing people that you know quite well. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I'm going to pretend I don't know you very well. Oh wow. Um, no, I'm not. I just think it's it's nice to to be able to say that I'm a fan of yours. And and a friend of yours. Yeah, a friend. I'm a friend. And that's a cool place to be. Likewise, obviously. I mean, I was just at your show like less than a month ago. I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I was very excited to hear the new record and I love it. Oh, thank um, you. How are you feeling about it at the moment? I feel great about it, which is awesome because sometimes like when it comes to release time and it's out in the world, like you're pretending that you still like oh, it, yeah. you know, because like, oh, I'm over this record. Yeah, you're going through the roller coaster of it all. Or what was I thinking at the yeah. time? <laughs> but I really like this one. I think it's like sonically really good. And I think the sentiments I'd really nailed. This is not sounding conceited about the record. It's just no. I got it right. I had yeah. like a, an MO and a brief and like a, I managed to get it right. And so I really like it. That's um, great. Yeah. I mean, I'm not recreationally listening to it. No. I did listen to it on the plane home from Sydney on Friday because I was like, okay, now that's been out for a week, now that I've like played a couple of shows on it, how do I feel about it? Uh, I like it. You so, like it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You're not going, I wish that that mix was different or that. That's normally what I do when I listen to an album. The mix will get you forever. But yeah. I was, no, I'm pretty happy with the mix. Um, yeah. So, That's great. Yeah. You're proud of it. Yeah, I'm proud of it. I'm so, so glad. And now I can, I don't know, you know what it is, you know, the cycle, you're proud of something for two weeks and then yeah. you like sit down and you go, hmm. I think I have to next? quit music. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. What's next? Do I quit or do I make something else <laughs> to roll with the dice? <laughs> um, tell me about when you were growing up. Did you have lots of music in your house? Um, I mean, you know, my parents listened to music. Um. There was a guitar around at some point, like an island string that was completely out of tune. Um, but there was not, I wouldn't say it was like a musical house. No one was playing instruments. But people were music fans? Music fans, yeah. And what kind of music was being played? Uh, well, I mean, there was, when I looked through the collection of records, it was a lot of, you know, obviously stuff at the time, so 60s, 70s, 80s, all the grades. Um I know that like the first piece of music I was ever gifted, which was then because I'd taken a shine to it, was a double cassette um, tape of the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. My dad gave me. Um, But, and this is indicative of my listening now, 
I'd only get like three songs in and then I'd re- I'd rewind the tape and listen to those first three again. Oh, yeah. Like I just hyper-focus on things yeah. I really like. And the best <laughs> song on that is I Get Around. Oh, yeah. Because there's nothing more exciting than that. That was in the first three? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What were the... Do you remember the first three? I feel like Surfing USA was yeah. also in there. And then I don't know what at, point, at what point I'm stopping it and then rewinding. Yeah. But it was all... It was three bangers. Yeah. But then it was probably something that was too... Um, left of center for my brain at the time you know it's sure. probably like there was probably like a pet sound song on there and i'm yeah. like oh, i can't get into this yeah or like surfs up yeah totally. like, what is this <laughs> this isn't i get around <laughs> this isn't california girls no <laughs> <laughs> so you know back to the start good tape um oh that's cool so you were really into beach boys yeah and then do you remember a moment when you thought i want to do that no i think that um I don't really know how music happened because I was never like, I'm going to be a musician. It was just kind of this like um, organic thing in that like my mom became friends with somebody and her daughter was learning the drums. Mm. And then so um, she was getting drum lessons. And then because we were like best friends, um, she was like teaching me secondhand the lessons that she just got. So I was like one lesson behind at all times, like (laughs) um, which was really cool. And then I guess it just became like, a community thing it was like well i'm entering high school music seems like a cool thing i could do i think my mom was really happy to push me into doing music as well yeah um so yeah i just had drums as a basis and then like you know you make friends with other guys and gals that are into music and then you start we had like because it was like not a very well-funded state school that sure. i was at um we they gave us one term of um, guitar lessons where we, we all had to pay and it was group lessons but then mysteriously at the end of that term they were like guitar is cancelled <laughs> so I guess it was a money thing they must yeah. have been subsidising it slightly or something because we were paying $5 a lesson very cute um, but yeah so we had one term to get our skills up and then we self-sustained as a group because we were all trying to one-up each other by learning like the sickest solos. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So I've never been better at guitar than I was in like grade eight and nine. And then I just plateaued and then probably dropped off. <laughs> what songs were you guys learning as a group? Um, I mean, it was really quite token-y kind of stuff. Like what was that? Um, what's that cream one that everyone learns? Layla. Oh, Layla. But like the, the electric yeah. guitar version. Sure. So then you go right Wasn't up the neck Eric and you Clapton? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does the really, he does the boring version oh, later right. on because <laughs> um, he's allowed to. He wrote it, I guess. But yeah, the cream one's like, oh, sick. I'm playing something up on which, the 12th fret. Sure. You know, once you yeah, get up yeah, there, yeah. you're like, that's the danger yeah. zone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know that you can shred when you're in the 12th <laughs> yeah, fret. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't even know what these numbers are past here. The dots <laughs> stop. Or, yeah. I actually, to be honest, I don't know anything, what the chords are above like the 5th fret. Oh, 100%. No one knows. <laughs> I mean, people know, but... I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know either. <laughs> I'm just going to... I think I plateaued when I was a teenager as well. That's not true. I think I've become better at finger picking and stuff. But yeah. I still don't know. Yeah, I don't know chords up there. We get better at the um, adult contemporary essentials. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, um, yeah, I can play really nice bar chords now. Uh, <laughs> that's a nice inversion. I don't sure. know what it is, but yeah, I know no. the shape. Yeah, I know the shape. I know if you take that finger off, it's a seventh. Yeah, yeah. and that's cool. <laughs> Sevenths cool. are beautiful. <laughs> What um? So, did you buy a guitar when you were younger, or uh, were you still playing your out of tune nylon string? No, I did. My mom gave me a nylon string at some point, so maybe when I was thirteen or fourteen, and that became my um my workhorse until I eventually got 
my first electric guitar, which was like a Sema, which was like a rip of a like a SG kind oh, of yeah. thing. Um, it was just very cheap, so that's mm-hmm. why I got it. Um, but that guitar, our house got broken into and it was later stolen. So, no. you know, goodbye first guitar. It sounded like crap anyway, but it was very light and I yeah. love a light guitar. Yeah. You know? so. Do you still have a light guitar? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a Japanese Strat. It's pretty light. Yeah. So yeah, cool time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I feel like I didn't get an electric guitar for a really long time. I imagine that kind of changes the way that you think about playing when you're a kid. Yeah, it's definitely um, feels cooler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and were you like getting girls because you had a guitar? Nah. But, <laughs> you know, I was in it for music. <laughs> I'm a purist. Nobody's in it for music. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Oh, no, I think it definitely helped. Uh, I don't know what I would have ended up like if I didn't have <laughs> music. Because before music came along, like my only interests were um, video games, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I still like video yeah, games, but it's nice to expand the, the palette. Sure. Yeah. And so that's cool that you started on drums. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then drums was pretty much most of what I was doing. So like, even when I started playing music in Brisbane, like I was just playing drums in so many bands because mm. there was a real drummer shortage. Yeah. If you remember the drummer shortage, it was I like do. the potato famine of, um, 98, yeah. <laughs> the drummer shortage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. So I just ended up playing drums in heaps of bands. And then that was the way to kind of like um, trade my skill set for people to help me if like with the songs that I was writing on as well, I guess. Yeah. So, but for a long time, yeah, I was playing drums in probably like four bands at once. Yeah, right. Which now I don't play drums at all. Um, well, I've seen you play drums recently, like in um, Velociraptor, you play drums occasionally. That's true. Yeah. That's thanks to George bringing the drum kit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, once you, once you play drums a lot, I don't know how he still does it because um, the gear really grinds you down. Oh, having to... I've talked to lots of drummers about this. Lugging gear is, is like the worst thing about playing drums. Mm. Even for me, because I, when I play solo now, I have a keyboard and a guitar, so I need to take an amp. And then you have to take all of the bits and yeah. things that you need. The bits. And a keyboard stand if there's not one there. Oh, the and even stand. that, like I can't carry it all by myself. No. I need someone else to help. Unless like a, maybe a trolley, you know? Yeah, I could get a trolley, but Don't that's do that. lame. Yeah, that is lame. <laughs> I was going to take someone with me. It's a lot better than it was like, you know... 10 years ago though because venues now have stuff sure you know yeah. like there are venues with kits now that, that's, that's unheard of yeah you know that's true even five years ago I, yeah. I dare say so so maybe you can get back into playing drums i could get back in <laughs> uh, <laughs> what to be like did you have it so you didn't have a drum kit at home when you were a kid uh i did eventually because that um same uh my best friend at the time that was giving me the um drum lessons she got a nice kit like a pearl or something and then um she gifted me her old kit oh sweet which i want to say the brand was something like procussion you know like when it's like (laughs) anyone ever it's a pun on percussion or drums you know it's where it's at but it was so lovely and it just you know it sustained my entire high school playing career you know because then you know I mean, I was never doing much um, in high school, but we were, you know, we had a theme song band. So Did you? That was like cool time. Like what kind of theme? Like 
TV um, shows? Yeah, TV shows. So we did um, obviously the Pizza Hut. Well, it's a TV ad one. We did sure. the Pizza Hut theme. We did Mortal Kombat theme. We did um, um, Dragon Ball Z theme, Beyblades theme. Um, Power Rangers theme. Power Rangers was our signature number too because it's so sick. It's got the maddest like yeah, 80s that's got metal trend. solos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it did, it really helped me form a basis of um, things I love that fit my nerdy passions, but are also yeah. um, not helpful at all in forging a path in music, I guess. <laughs> Detrimental. I think, of, I think all that stuff helps. Anything that makes you better. Yeah. It's all a step to something. Well, it definitely helped me um, not take music. Um, you know how there's almost a campaign uh, to take music seriously? Like, music is a very serious thing. Sure. It definitely made sure that I could never take music too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you still haven't, ever. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> um, were your parents supportive of you playing drums in the house? Um, yeah, well, I guess, I mean, here's the thing. Like, my dad passed away when I was like 10. So, it was just my mom. And I think she really wanted to push me into a hobby. So, I think... She's always been like my greatest champion and has been like, you should do music. You're really good at music. You should yeah. just, you know. So I think that was the real, like, if he's got a hobby that he's really into, then yeah. um, that'll kind of like keep him afloat. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. So music helped you get through some pretty sad times then too. I think so. I think it's nice to have something to focus on before you know how to deal with your emotions. Absolutely. I mean, or deal with, um, you know, processing things that you can't when you're a kid. So Absolutely. It gets you through the hard times and then you do the other tough work when you're an adult. And yeah. you're an adult you know? Sure. So. How's that going? Good, I think. I mean, maybe my 20s was a nightmare. But, was it? But <laughs> let's, no, elements of. But. Let's touch back on that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, when you started playing in bands in Brisbane, you are playing drums. Um. At what point did you then go, like, I think I want to play my own songs. I think I want to write stuff and do my own, my um, own things. Well, I mean, I fronted um, at, towards the end of high school um, out of necessity, um, like a uh, like a pop punk band at the time. Um, we were named after our drummer and we were called B-Rad's Helibus. That's a good name. It was a great time. Um, <laughs> And so I had written a couple of songs for that, but that was my only experience writing and performing. And then I think that after the support of high school dropped away, um, and then I went into like the the pit that was eighteen to twenty one. Yeah, I just wrote in isolation and didn't have sure. the guts to play anything again. But I always wanted to, um, and I had a couple of false starts. Like, um, so my only two real buds in like. Brisbane music at the time when, um, like, because uh, all my friends from high school didn't really continue doing music. We did it, like, comedically. Like, we might, like, write, like, a funny comedy song or something yeah. together. But um, the only people I knew that were, like, involved in Brisbane music were, like, Shane Parsons and Simon Ridley. Um, and we had a bit of a false start trying to start a band together um, called Down Forward Punch, which was, like, the... Um, combination you do to do a hadouken and like street oh, yeah. fighter and like mortal mortal kombat kind of fighting kind of moves i thought uh, it was hadouken hadouken that's the um that's i think that's closer to the the uppercut one. Oh right yeah i can't remember shoryuken is the yeah, uppercut one and hadouken is the oh hadouken something else. is the okay. is the fireball oh, thing yeah yeah um hadouken uh <laughs> and yeah well it's like second then you know sure. um sure yeah. it's, a, it's a move <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I just had a crisis of confidence then, so I couldn't I couldn't get myself together to you know perform any of the songs that we kind of written together for that. Um, and then it wasn't until I don't know a couple of years later when I ran into those guys, um, and I'd still been writing in isolation. And I ran into those guys at I think it was like Fringe Bar or something when they used to do gigs there, and they were like, "Oh, we're just heading over to Fringe." Like our band's just kind of broken up, which was Denzel. Yeah. Pre DZ, the yeah. drummer had disappeared. Like, was going to go live overseas or whatever. And they're so they're a bit bummed. They were going to have a drink, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll come along, and join you guys." Um, and then after a few, I was like, "Hey, you know, if you guys got a bit of free time, I've been writing some stuff. I think you might dig. Um, you know, if you want to have a listen to it, see what you think." Um, and they're like, "Yeah, this is this is really cool." They so liked then it. they liked it, which was like could finally stop working in isolation on my own. Um, was that a really big thing for you to show someone the songs that you've been working on? It was huge because I didn't, I don't know where I'd lost all my high school confidence at what, what point in there. It just kind of wasn't there anymore. And then, yeah, for them to, I mean, I had to take a chance because I was really, I really wanted to be involved in music so badly. Um, and so, and I felt really comfortable with those guys, like, um so yeah but them liking it was just like this is the start like um yeah so it was like that's probably like the most important moment in that's my so musical nice. life i think like, oh yeah it's so nice that it was those guys too they're yeah. so lovely yeah the fucking best yeah <laughs> so yeah and then we just started playing as this three-piece and like for a while we tried out drummers because it's like we were you know looking for drummers but um just didn't find the right fit so I ended up being the drummer, yeah. but I was like, has to be engaging, some stand-up drummer. Oh, so that cool. was kind of our gimmick for a bit yeah. too. It was like I was singing, but it was like ferocious. And the songs were a lot, um, a bit more vicious back then too. Yeah. So it was like a cool dynamic of just like having a screaming drummer or whatever. Yeah. Did um, you have a kick? Like were you standing up with a kick? And, yeah. yeah. Wow. Exhausting. It takes so you a while hard. to get fit yeah. enough to do that. Um, and then... Is it all like, sorry to be, to be ignorant about stand-up drummers, but... Mm. Is it hard to like open a hi-hat with the other foot if you're kicking? Yeah. You, Is it I, just closed hi-hat all yeah, the time? Yeah, or just like sizzling hi-hat or, yeah. you know, but you probably just like most of the time you just fucking smash out on that ride yeah, or whatever. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that like it's actually really good. It like punctuates like the snares whatever and like we'll snare and crash together whatever like punctuate those kind of like good yells too. Yeah. So it's like quite, you can get quite ferocious. Yeah. And so were you at the front with your stand-up kit we were in a line you're in a line so like yeah it was good um okay so that's when you started doing your own stuff when i first saw you play i mean i think i probably saw you in velociraptor first um and we haven't got up to that bit yet but i remember immediately going like this guy likes the beach boys was that was that vibe like always sort of omnipresent for you Um, in those first songs you were writing to uh, in those first songs I was writing, amazing that you thought the Beach Boys thing. That's yeah. awesome. Um, well, in those first songs, it was very much just me trying to do the hives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then just like all the 60s Mersey beat kind of stuff yeah. I liked. I just wanted like 60s melodies, but with some edge, you know, that would fit in with what was happening in yeah. the climate. Um, okay. But I mean, obviously the Beach Boys thing is rampant because then i later had a band uh called teen sensations where we were just trying to be the beach boys yeah Yeah. i do remember that too (laughs) (laughs) 
And so at what point then did you, um, you know, start doing other stuff like Velociraptor and Teen Sensations and stuff? Um, well, time is strange in there, but I think that <laughs> when I started getting super involved and in trying to do a million things at once was about 2011 or 2012. Yeah. And so that's when like, yeah, Teen Sensations come along. I decided to do a solo project. Yeah. Um, Raptors by that point has been since maybe 20 by 2010 ish you know we got up to a full force of like standard 12 yeah um that's insane so 12 people on stage all the time all the time well i mean you know whoever was available but we could always we always you'd never see us with less than eight or nine at that that period of time so crazy yeah it was was good it was good fun like i bet the stupidest novelty (laughs) but so fun like and just you got a crew with you at all times it was just like yeah, it was a nice posse. Um, yeah, good community. And so before you were saying that um, things came crashing down in your 20s, why did why did things come crashing down? Were you doing too many things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just didn't know what to do with my life was mainly sure. the thing, I think, you know? Like, obviously, music was always there, but, like, I'd just been a failed, like, uni student, you know? I just chopped and changed and dropped out, and that's a real crisis of confidence when yeah. you when you don't know what you're going to do, um, when, you know, I guess because I didn't come from a very um, well-off economic background as well and I didn't want that to be something that was part of my future but I didn't know how to solve that either. Sure. So, yeah, that's the thing. If you're not inclined to know what you want to do for for cash, yeah, it's tough. I don't know that many people that do know they sort of just fall into something yeah i think i mean that's what i did i don't know if i like i never wanted to be a musician i just did it and then you know somehow that worked out and Mm. then yeah my all my other things i i never had a plan i just sort of start i someone asked me and i went okay yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we talked about saying yes to everything before uh, you know yes. it's, um... this is a big thing that you and i have in common and something i should mention and i think something that's really like bound us as as friends yeah. um is that you and i have a problem with saying yes to everything <laughs> and a lot of the things we'll see each other at we're like yeah. oh you said yes to this yeah. too it's like everybody else said no they went through a hundred people and then you and i said yes oh i guess we're here i guess you and i are here again but by that token uh you know we said yes to our friendship and that's a beautiful we thing did. so we did. look it served us worth well it. Yeah. <laughs> all the stress and anxiety's been worth it yeah. uh, <laughs> um how's your list at the moment by the way oh it's pretty achievable now that the record is out i think and now that we are um i think the last big thing i had on was you know the queensland music awards as you know you just you were doing it too yeah um (laughs) we both said yes to that we both said yes but i'm glad i said yes that was really good i was hosting i just presented an award and DJed. and dj that's double roller yeah Um, well you had just really quickly you had a pretty amazing (laughs) <laughs> thing going on at the awards you're in tiny hot pants yeah hey, i was in tiny you, hot pants that was a good time did the craft work thing the craft work thing um you made a, your own little lectern that was great <laughs> that was actually uh jean that made that lectern <laughs> and a fantastic job so what a legend love jean hi jean hey jean um yeah i 
I always love seeing you at those things. And I mean, I do sometimes text you and say, I'm worried. How's your list? I hope everything's okay. <laughs> You're very considerate. Thank you. You're a very, um, very thoughtful person. So it's so nice. <laughs> People must know from all the episodes of this podcast, but you know, it's, it's very evident IRL too, you know, just very IRL. warm and wonderful person. How are you, IRL? Hey, IRL. I feel like it's nice that we check in on each other because we both know that we overcommit. Yeah, similar personality types in yeah. the biz and the biz isn't yeah. forgiving, you know. Something in else that we both have in common is we both were recipients of the Grant McLennan Fellowship. Yeah. And we both went to New York. Damn, we both did because it's the best damn city. Not at the same time, sadly. Nah. But tell me about your time in New York for the fellowship. What did you do? I mean, I wanted to challenge myself while I was there because usually, you know, people are saying that thing. They're like, do something every day that scares you. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't want to do that. No. I don't want to be scared. I do not want to be scared. I'm already here. Yeah. That's me putting my hand up. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a constant existential crisis. The world is so strange. We don't need anything more in the mix. But I was like, okay, this is a very unique opportunity. Um, and I need to make the most of this, obviously. And so I need to improve my songwriting. Um, and that's something that I'll do organically with time being able to invest in that. But also I was like, nah, I'm going to like a songwriting thing. So I did this like two week masterclass at NYU, um, which was all focused on writing with like, you know, it was led by like eighties and nineties, like Grammy dogs, which was awesome. So it was just like one of the guys had like co-written one of Celine Dion's big hits and another guy had co-written, um, Billy Ocean's When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah. yeah. These are my guys because I love that era of music <laughs> sure. as well. Um, and it's all that classic songwriting as well where it's just like, okay, let's get let's get the chords right. Let's get the lyrics right. Yeah. Let's get like exciting melodies. Let's sure. get like, you know, uh, it's just that kind of era of songwriting I really enjoy. Um, so that was cool. But it what also, did you learn? Well, what a lot of it was was throwing us into groups to co-write. And that was the biggest thing that I was trying to conquer because I was afraid of co-writing because I'd had bad experiences early on. Have you? And who, who was it? I'm just uh, joking. I can't name and shame. <laughs> just, the whole the whole tone of the podcast changes. <laughs> um. So, okay. And so you had a good experience there co-writing with people. Yeah. I mean, it was still intimidating to me. Um, but I found in that like what my natural rhythm was. So I would be relaxed in a session then and not like, am I doing enough? Mm. Like, have I done my exact one third of this song? Because what I discovered doing that is that it's not, and this, I think this is really applicable. And this is what I say whenever I teach any songwriting stuff now, um, is that you might just be the vibe guy in the session. Like, you know, that's an equal contribution because if you're just lifting the room and keeping the spirits high, that allows that environment, you know, allows genius stuff to happen. You mm-hmm. might just have one line that changes everything. You don't need to do an equal part of it. You just need to be a really nice presence in that room. Um, and that's that allows nice. the magic to happen. So, yeah. yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, so that was a very positive start to my trip. Yeah. And it also was that there were people from all over the world coming in for this thing. So like, you know, um, you know I was writing someone from Argentina, someone with, from Indonesia, like there was just people all over the world. And so... After that, they were all doing their staying around in New York for summer, as well as the New York locals I met. So I had this crew, which was awesome. awesome. People who, yeah, were really interested in their songwriting as well. So it was a nice base to have. Um, And then I 
was staying in this apartment that had like very good soundproofing so I could just write whenever I wanted to write and like yeah live my best life that's great yeah and did you keep those songs for your album the songs I wrote in those oh like in my general time in New York or at yeah. NYU oh either well NYU was co-writing stuff there is actually is like interesting like uh the friend that I wrote a song with in Indonesia she's putting that song out on her new album oh, coming out this great. year so that's really cool that something will be you yeah know, in existing Indonesia. in Indonesia amazing um but uh yeah the songs so I mostly uh wrote stuff for this new record um and finished stuff for this record um and then also wrote some stuff for the new Raptors record that's coming out um at the end of the year so it was a fruitful time for um yeah stuff that I would be able to be using yeah and to I think that what this record ended up being then was more of like content wise was very much like yes what's happening now but also for me like processing the last whatever 10 years in music and being like making impactful statements based on my experience in that time because Mm -hmm. I was far enough away from my life to see it from like a bird's eye perspective and then put that into the music sure so you have a level-headed sort of um view on it all now yeah where you can look back and go that was tough and this is me now totally look at me now look at me now (laughs) (laughs) um i was reading something that you had written the other day or that you had said and I, Uh i picked this out no i think this is really interesting you wrote um there are a lot of sacrifices you have to make in order to create music if you're not major label-backed or independently wealthy and every mistake you make has direct consequences for everyday quality of life. Mm. That's so heavy. That's true. Do you feel like, what kind of mistakes are you talking about here? Um, well, I mean, you know, for a long time, like I was at least told that like you got to be touring all the time, you know. Yeah. It's just like this is how you... If you tour, then, you know, you get the radio play, you get the radio play, everything kind of works out. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like hammering touring for ages or like making sure I'd be like constantly like recording stuff, even if I wasn't making sound proactive decisions on that. I was like reactive and just being like, let's keep things moving. Let's keep things moving. Mm. Um, And if I would do a tour and say lost a few thousand dollars, well, at the time I was working for a uh, major... um, retailer on and i was on like 17 dollars an hour and so if i lost you know four thousand dollars on a tour i was working that off at minimum wage yeah and it's crushing yeah because i would just do that i would just be like okay four thousand dollars divided by 17 i'd be like that's a lot of hours in the pit yeah yeah um so it was those kind of things that were just weighing on me and it was just so stressful and it was all because and you get told these things by people who it doesn't really affect well, they don't have to do it. They don't have to do yeah. it. Yeah, they don't have to do the um, the hard like the yards out there, um, mm. and and they don't have to deal with the financial ruin at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and so, like you know, it reached a peak where I had like thirty thousand dollars on a credit card, like yeah. from just pursuing music stuff, um, and that was an absolute nightmare. And I had yeah. a couple of lucky breaks to get me out, but that's. That was really harrowing point in my life. Yeah. So what? So what changed? You paid off your debt, and then yeah. what happened? Well, then I was like, well, what do I do? What do I like about music? What actually matters to me? Instead of like being told all these things, or like the, you know, trying to um, 
find a way that I get this like mad ticket, I'd be like out, like oh you made it. And it's yeah. like, all realistically as well, like how is a guy that's making like pop rock like gonna make it in this climate anyway? Like what? Why did I? But anyway, that, it's, hard, that aside, it's just really hard in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I sort of what I wanted to do, and um, I still think that it's really, I think it's important to have a variety of voices in the mix as well. Like I think that's the thing that um, is very important because if you know if someone like me doesn't make music or someone like you doesn't make music, then you've only got the survivor's bias of one percent of very successful people who are making music. And sure, there is an emotional range everyone's got problems mm. you know you've got you still get problems when you've got success of course but you don't have the everyday problems mm. you don't have the actual surviving problems which is like um making a living and dealing with there not being any time left in the week for you because you're just trying to survive in capitalism you know yeah 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 so yeah and so what so what's changed then for you? How are you not like flogging a dead horse? Um, that well, sounds mean, but uh, you know what? No, I no, mean? no. Well, no, that's, that's fair. Well, it was just like, what do I like about music? And what I like about music is um, I love, and these are the things that get um, aren't acknowledged, I think, um, a lot of the time when people think about what success is in music. But success in music is being involved in like a wonderful music community and the friends you get to have from it. Um, and that whole ecosystem is really beautiful. Mm. Like, um, and then what do I enjoy about music self? I love recording. I love writing. I don't necessarily love touring. Mm. Um, even though that was something I had to do or thought was essential. I like going out for, you know, a stroll across the country and being yeah. like meeting like wonderful people or like reconnecting with people I haven't seen in ages. And like, um, I love that part, but I don't like the grind of it. So I'm yeah. like, if I can get this support to a, oh, yeah. like, this could be the make or break. Like, yeah, like, I hate that too. That's a grind. And that's yeah. not, that's not the good parts of music. No. So identifying those good parts of music is how I enjoy music now. That's great. And that's what I've been doing for the last few years. Yeah. It's and just, then being able to like be home more and make a bit of a living doing other things as well. Having a day job is the best thing. Yeah. It well, is. you talk about your day job because your day job is music related. And yeah. Well, I mean, I get to, I, you know, I get to do a lot of, um, I get to teach guitar or like you know, yeah. teach songwriting sometimes. And um, I do a lot of arts and crafts though, really. Yeah. Um, which is great. <laughs> That's I love great. it. And a lot of video games. So it's I a lot of fun. I love arts and crafts, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I really, I do enjoy my day job and I enjoy, I do enjoy, I mean, even though we talked about doing lots of weird things adjacent to music, yes. like, um, you know, DJing can be very fun. Yeah. Um, and then like emceeing gigs are always um, a little bit stressful, but ultimately fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also, so you're just, really good at emceeing stuff. Hey, that's you're very nice. You're very, very funny. <laughs> Very <laughs> kind. I've just, you know, it's really, I'm just leaning heavily on my bad German accent for craftwork <laughs> impressions. Uh, I've used that gimmick twice now. Have you? So, um, no, that was the first time I saw it. That was great. Well, I think that's how I got the, I got the Queensland Music Awards hosting gig <laughs> because I did that craftwork thing at the National Live Music Awards. Oh, great. And I think uh, John was like, that's a gimmick. Yeah. That's <laughs> we what could we need use that. that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah i mean i am in a really lucky place now i think for opportunities to do stuff that is fun and variety yeah. and ultimately uses all the skills i 
built up in those years yes. of not knowing exactly what I was going to do. So things serendipitously did work out as you acknowledged you yes. just kind of end up falling into things yeah um but i could never have predicted that no and i think it's also part of like the personality that um that you have discovered you have through all this time is someone who wants to keep things positive and someone who is like very supportive and very optimistic and that's something that's so powerful and you know people are obviously going to want you to do stuff because of that no, Which is really lovely. That is lovely. That's such a, yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, I feel like that's um that's such a big part of you now. All of your social media stuff is so funny. All of your like <laughs> album promo stuff. Even when I think about the music community that you mentioned before in Brisbane, I quite often, when I think about our community, I think you're like in the center of it. And then like all of us are sort of surrounding you. Oh my gosh. This is the <laughs> nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> it's true though. Everyone loves you and you're and you're such a big supporter of other people's projects and it's really nice. No, oh, well, thank you. I'm glad I can yeah, I'm glad that I can be that yeah person. Because I I mean I yeah, I just I know, I feel very lucky to be making music here. Hey. I'm sure yeah. you feel the same. Like, yeah, I definitely feel the same. Brisbane is it's just lovely. It's very special. I don't mm. know if people outside that don't live here understand how special Brisbane music is. It's um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's special everywhere, you know. But yeah, it's special. It's here. more special in <laughs> Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it kind of it, when you were talking about like your family upbringing and stuff, I was wondering if maybe the reason why you are so positive and optimistic is because. Um, you've always been that for your family and you've, you know, you want to make music to make people happy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the motivation in music is, but I know the motivation to be the kind of person I am. And it's just because I just, I think, you know, I just want to be like a, a, a warm, like friendly, like person that makes people feel safe. That's what I want because I think that's what I want for me too. Like yeah. I just want to feel um, safe and secure in the world. And so that's what I want to bring to other people. Yeah. I think that must, I, I assume that would be a similar motivation oh, for you absolutely. because that's, you know, the basis of what I get from you is that you are that warm and supportive. Yeah. Um, that's ex- And I think that's why we're friends. Cause yeah. we support each other. Yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> it's very awesome. This is all, this whole podcast is going to be, I think you're great. Yeah. No, I think you're great. <laughs> Um, let's go back to talking about the new record. Oh my gosh. Um, here's my favorite song. Uh-oh. <laughs> I really love, um, Still Won't Want You Around Me. Oh. I. Is that because you feature in the film clip as well, a puppet? I wasn't going to say, <laughs> I wasn't going to say I have an involvement, um, uh, cause I really don't. It's just a, me as a Muppet in the video. Oh, you but... went full method though. <laughs> full method. But I love the song. I love the sentiment. Um, I presume it's a love song about your wife. Yeah. It's, I just think it's, it's a really, really lovely song and I really love the production on it. Um, can you talk me through the production on that song? I can. Um, so I mean, what we were trying to accomplish and this is like, we always try and like pick, uh, you know, a vibe setter. Um, and what we were trying to get to was that like 
the warm kind of warm hug feeling of you know um dancing in the moonlight by top loader yeah, you know great you're just like everyone's like in a room <laughs> everyone's clapping and singing so that's what we wanted to get to by the last chorus <laughs> i think we got there um so that's what we did um and then production was kind of centered around that so like george was like yeah i can get like a one of those kind of you know, beats happening and then yeah um let's just talk about how great george is uh, for a minute george just- browning <laughs> He plays um, drums in Velociraptor and he had a big part in um, producing and playing on your record. Yes. So George has been like, um, George has been one of those people that is probably one of the reasons I'm still doing music as yeah. well. Like He's another one of those kinds of people that are incredibly supportive of yeah. everybody around him. and He's a wonderful um, beacon of light. He's a beacon of light. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, he's, yeah, because he... He's so considered and he's so musically gifted. Um, and so I just, I'll send him demos and he'll be like, this is great. Like we can do this, we can do this. And he's so yeah. involved in the production of stuff as mm. well. And so it's been, been by assembling this team now and having George involved from the get go. And then um, Josh Coxon in the mix um, and Aiden Hogg as like our engineer slash co-producer it's this dream team that's just kind of made things organically come together now. Yeah. I feel like I got a machine, like the, um, what's the big 60s wall of sound crew or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, this is the version that's of your, this. Yeah, that's and, your crew. And it took a long time to find this. And then like all these amazing like um, other people that will come in and just do a genius bit on things. And yeah. I'm just like, I feel so lucky to have found that. It took a long time, yeah. but I've got that crew Your and peeps. it's my peeps. It's so nice. Uh, so anything feels possible musically now. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And so the back to the production of that oh, song. Oh, yeah, the production of that song. Um, how did we do it? That's so a George cool. played the beat. George, play, George played the beat. Um, I think uh, I think Josh Coxon might have done quite a lot of other stuff. He would have done the guitar and the guitar solo. Um yeah, I probably did the bass on that too. And then found out the magic way of doing those vocals. So it sounds like you've got a whole like room full of people. Yeah, this- did you? So you, that kind of features a lot on the new record. You have a bit of a chorus um, of people yelling, not yelling, but singing like the chorus. <laughs> yeah. Um, which automatically is like super uplifting. It's a vibe setter, yeah. Um, who, who are the people? Is it just you like quadruple tracked uh no so it's it's me josh and george generally yeah. i think um jamie fryer also um was in occasionally um in that in that group on that song i think on still want you around me um and on other ones i think our sax player seamus was also around that mic but what you want to do anybody playing at home <laughs> that wants that beautiful thing you just get uh three people around a microphone uh but you got to be probably a meter and a half away mm-hmm. in that triangle formation yeah. uh, it has to be an omnidirectional mic and <laughs> you're away yeah. um, and you just pick pick your um, I think maybe when we all I'm not sure if we we're all doing unison and then we were all doing unison of the next harmony mm-hmm. hmm well, it'll be a deep dive later on right. but anyway Text you want that formation later. yeah yeah <laughs> triangle formation <laughs> i'll put it in the podcast intro <laughs> the notes line of notes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i know it's a great sound and it's um yeah like i said i think it's automatically uh like an uplifting thing i'm so it's glad because like, cool. i wanted you know i wanted it to feel yeah i wanted to feel like love because it's supposed to be a nice love song it's still obviously a problem like not uh it's a love song with problems because yeah. it's the verses are all acknowledging you know 
life ain't easy. Yeah. Um, but don't take that non-easiness of life to me and I don't, you know, it's still not everything to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, I think you've talked about this publicly already. Yeah. That you're going to be a dad. I'm going to be a papa bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder how that's going to affect your, I mean, I'm not asking you how it's going to affect you, you don't know yet, but mm. I wonder how that's going to change things for you musically. Mm. I know that, I mean, as soon as I tried to get things clear, I was like, I'm working more on my day job. You sure. know, that was like the first thing I could do. I'm yeah. like, I'm up my hours at my yeah. day job. And um, you're automatically thinking financially. Yes, yeah. 100%. Because I just want to, I want a nice, stable, yeah. secure environment. Yeah. You know, um, when I was growing up, I was made far too aware about finances not being good. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, that was just my father. Um, my mom uh, didn't ever mention it. She was very fantastic, yeah. you know. But anyway, um, so I want, I just want to provide a very safe and secure environment. Yeah. I think that music isn't so conducive to that in a lot of ways if you pursue it um, to, to the detriment of other parts. Mm. So music will always be a part of it. But for now, I just want to get a nice... Um, stable home part Yeah, ride. that's so nice. Yeah. And just never talk about money with your kid? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I, think so. Um, <laughs> I mean, a good financial education, sure, you know. Sure. I'll teach them about the stock market. I'll teach them about, um, you know, wherever cryptocurrency ends up by that. Yeah, hedge funds, yeah. obviously. The yeah. trust will be building for them, uh, uh, you sure. know, from the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, you just know. Just the standard normal stuff. Normal stuff. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, chores for an allowance. You know, that's important. <laughs> yeah. You know, you $2 for washing the car. Totally. <laughs> oh, the, my, my 2001 Toyota Camry <laughs> is very much in need of a wash, so... <laughs> Um, I'll do it for two bucks. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> that's how much I used to get for cleaning the car. Yeah. Two dollars. That's a good economy, though. Think about what two dollars could get you back then. Oh, well, yeah. That was like two dollars in ni- 1990. Yeah, maybe 1989. It's a lot of lollies. It was also a, a packet of like Doritos so you could get a Tazo. Oh, yeah. Tazo was... I never got into Tazo, but I was really into um, Cabbage Patch Kids cards. Damn, I had yeah. no idea they were Cabbage Patch Kids yeah. cards. I was into them. What's the... like another card that I was into, but I used to actually just really like the gum. Ah. Uh, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> See, it's interesting because people are motivated by different things because like, sure, I would love eating Doritos, but I just wanted the Tazos. Yeah. And I do wonder about the mechanics of Cabbage Patch Kids though now. Like, yeah, they're so fucked. They all had different like... Personalities and powers? Is yeah. that the vibe? And they're just all really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you my last question, which Uh-oh. is the question I ask everyone. Mm. Can you tell me your strangest show experience? Um, I don't know how strange this is, but it's probably worst in some ways that probably fits the brief yeah you can tell me your worst one that's how this started and then i sort of changed it to strange Uh, so you can go either way well look in maybe i want to say 2014 ish um velociraptor were doing this like uk and europe jaunt because which is the most ridiculous concept anyway, taking like a 12-piece band overseas. <laughs> like, How does anyone afford that? We were very fortunate to get a grant. So oh, that good. was, that was ve- we were very lucky that some of it was subsidized, but everybody, we were just kind of treating it like a holiday. So, yeah. you know, 
small discount on um, what was a very expensive time. Uh, and we would go for Great Escape in the UK and we had some sideshows around that as well. Um, and we were very lucky. We got like, we were getting mad press. So we got like, we must have got some gold enemy write up. Great. Because when we played our first show at Great Escape, there was like lines like around the block to Whoa. see us. It was just like, this is working out. Um, and that show was okay. We played a mad show like on the pier though that was just like, capacity just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people right um six show whatever uk goes pretty all right um we go uh, we had this show uh in amsterdam at the paradiso and this is like a promoter there had heard of this and it was like this we're like this could be a big break you know he really believes in this if this goes well like who knows we're playing this little festival thing and then maybe get some great press and then I don't know, maybe, maybe our future's a set. Um, so we were all pretty destroyed from the UK portion of it all. A flu had kind of gotten amongst a few of us. Like I know at least me and Lauren were absolutely just destroyed by this flu yeah. thing. Um, so it was a real push through, but we're like, we can make this work. The show is very important. Um, we get to the venue and all of the amps are very big amps, but they're very dry amps with no effects no gain and none of us have brought pedals okay um so what it ended <laughs> up being is have you ever seen the beach boys shreds video oh my gosh where yes. <laughs> they just replace the sound with shitty sounds it's, i get around isn't it it is yeah. i get around <laughs> which is how my life has gone full circle really um because not only that it's not only dealing with these dry guitars that sound like DI guitars with nothing on them, uh, when it's supposed to sound like this wall of sound. Yeah. <laughs> Our microphones sound so exposed, there's no effect or anything on them either. It was like a parody of the band. And I was in this weird fever dream um, and th so thrown off. And the only like phrase I knew in um, Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. It was cake out for the feet in, which is watch out for the bikes. It was my only way to communicate with the crowd. <laughs> so you better watch out for the bikes, but also watch out for this Velociraptor Shreds video where we just, it was just terrible. And it, was, it wasn't even that we could get off stage and like um, think that maybe it was okay. It was like the first thing off stage was I managed to be like, that was terrible. <laughs> That was just the worst. And I was like, no. Oh, and I've just no. never felt, I think, I mean, this probably felt similar levels of shame. <laughs> um, but that's the most shame I've ever felt in the Netherlands. <laughs> and so we blew it. And, um, oh, no. What, so did the people like it in the room, though? Like, did you feel like? I don't think so. There was a couple of like things that were positive you know you like mm. you know you check the socials afterwards and see a sure. couple of things i don't think that anybody else was that invested but the people that were initially invested were the opposite of invested afterwards <laughs> so whatever whatever we were gonna potentially do in that region our one in uh was no longer an in um so i guess i just want to like convey that there's there's lessons to be learned here um 
but you don't know at the time, you know? Yeah, you don't know. You're, you're just learning. You're, you're just learning to bring pedals. Yeah. We, you just assume that you could just plug and play. Because sure. most amps you can. You know, I'm looking around this room that we're in right now. If yeah. there were Marshall JCM 800s, yeah. sick, you can plug and play. You're just yeah. the Ramones. Yeah. And we just... It's instant Ramones. Instant Ramones. <laughs> um, we just didn't know. Because we were instant Ramones yeah. playing in small venues yeah. with um, amps with gain on them. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling that your um, story would be Velociraptor related because <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you guys have had a lot of really hectic shows. Yeah, well, we're a party band and we like to party. Yeah. Uh, and that has capacity for things being really awesome, but also like sometimes uh, not as organized as they could be maybe. Um, Do you, have you had injuries? Uh, I mean, I even had an injury recently because we did our 10-year anniversary tour. Oh, yeah. And we went to... Sydney, and in the last song we were playing Ramona, which is a big hit. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, "This is pumping! Like, I'm just gonna jump in the crowd and have a little party." Yeah. Um, but kind of got knocked weirdly off balance, twisted my knee, oh, no. uh, and dislocated it. Oh, so no. then I was on crutches for a few weeks. That was my oh. January. But <laughs> thing is, when the party's happening, we need to get amongst the party, and that's uh. <laughs> That's that band. And so it's a cool time. We're yeah. still we're still going. We're best of friends, yeah. which is really nice. And so nice. we're going to come back with a new record at the end of the year. So. That's great. Oh, I can't wait to hear all the stuff that you're going to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep checking in on you. Thanks. I'm going to keep checking in on you. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me, Jess. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. <Saya. laughs>